0: Hello Space Watchers, I'm Emma, the Editor-in-Chief of Space Watch Global and this is a new episode of Space Café Radio, your radio channel dedicated to emerging trends and live conferences in the space sector. This is one of our special episodes in collaboration with the Carman Project, an independent non-profit foundation gathering global leaders who are shaping the future of space. Every year, the Karman Project selects 15 Karman Fellows to foster trust, cooperation, and independent dialogue between global leaders in tech, in science, in business, in politics, and the arts, who want to positively impact space. In six episodes, we will try to tell you what does it mean to actually be a Karman Fellows and be part of the Karman Project, which type of project and goals the Fellows have, and what does this all mean for the space domain. And of course, we will do it through the eyes and words of the Karman Fellows of the 2023 cohort. I was lucky enough to be part of it, so these interviews are all collected live from the Karman Week, which in 2023 was in the Maldives. Enjoy the sound of the waves and the tales of how we really want to change the world. Enjoy. Hello, Space Watchers. Welcome back. We are transmitting directly from the Maldives, from the beautiful atoll of Flemu. I'm here in the company of my co-fellow uh, of the Carmen Project, Anastasia Stepanova, the mission specialist in space project and also a PhD student at the Colorado School of Mines. Anastasia, Welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> it's fantastic to be here and to be able to share this experience together. And by the way, if you hear noises, this is the sound of the morning on a Maldivian atoll. So it's the waves and the wind and a bit of people waking up. So I think before we start to dig into some space uh, project details maybe you can give us a quick introduction about yourself and uh, what you're doing what you deal with
1: yeah i have several backgrounds and they're all related to space but from totally different fields first background is space journalism and then i decided to finally follow my path and um, become a cosmonaut so i had to get an engineering degree and was involved in many different simulation projects which simulate the extreme environment of space and how it affects uh, human physiology, human psychology. And so I started to work at Institute of Biomedical Problems in Moscow. They're the ones who did a record-breaking isolation experiment, Mars 500. And there we are also been doing really wild experiments on us, on humans, but of course it's uh, with the consent. <laughs> um, and basically, Everything that human will encounter during flight to moon or Mars, such as uh, microgravity, extreme isolation, um, deprivation and, uh, radiation, also hypermagnetic field, uh, h- hypermagnetic field. Yeah, that we have on Mars. So all of that, we have like small simulation experiments that we can test there and see how we can help humans. Fantastic. And yeah, after that, uh, I moved to, unfortunately, I couldn't get to the cosmonaut squad. And I decided to try my luck in the U.S. And uh, I started my PhD in space resources at Colorado School of Mines. We are uh, trying to, to use all the resources that exist on the moon in order to help humans stay there healthy and happy. <laughs> and safe. <laughs> yes.
0: So uh, you have an incredible background. You are a journalist and engineer et- potential cosmonaut and now a PhD in lunar resources. So obviously you have an incredible view about the space field from so many angles. But in your opinion, in your informed opinion, what is the the biggest challenge that we are facing in space from your perspective?
1: Everyone would say the budget, right? We need uh, so much money in order to really have um, to to progress in uh, space technologies and to do this and that. But then it's like looped with uh, actually the idea that governments and I think that in general society would need to have to invest into space, to spend all this taxpayers' money and why it would benefit them um, rather than spending money on military, you know? And uh, if you just compare the budget for uh space agency and for the military, it, it's crazy. And if you could switch those things, <laughs> I think we would see how it would benefit people here on Earth, but I don't know how we can switch it. It, it, It's really hard work, and and I think we need to educate people all the time. And I guess it it should start from, from the top, from the government ideology. Have this idea, like, back when there was a moon race, everyone was inspired, and because it came from the president, uh, that we, are, we need to get there it's our number one mission. I think nowadays, yeah, it will be also really beneficial, but at the same time, we are not so dependent on the government uh, because we have the private space companies and they're doing amazing things and uh, changing also uh, this field. Yeah, I think anyway, it comes to a budget. And then if we can convince people to actually spend money and that it will benefit us back. That will change a lot of things. Yeah, and
0: spending money for projects that can actually help uh, the society. So obviously the dual application of space for military and civilian purposes is always an issue. And um, we are also here as a Kármán Week, as Kármán Fellows, to discuss this type of problem. So in your view, how this project, how the Kármán project, this experience is actually
1: helping you to, to solve these issues or to achieve your goals? Uh, yeah, it, it, it's an amazing project because We are so divided in this globalized world, we are so divided. Uh, And we think, oh, uh, we are quite different, so we cannot find a consensus because of the religion, the political use, nationality and all that. But at Common Project, you can see that, no, we are all the same when we think about what is best for humanity, when we think about space and how we can help fixing those problems. So I think, um, uh, it's amazing to understand this support and that you're not alone in that. And it gives you, uh, so many connections that you can, uh, use in the future. And you never know. Maybe now at this moment, it's like a, a birth of, um, uh, amazing new startup that will help many people, uh, and help to, um, evolve space, uh, field. Or yeah, it can be anything. And I'm sure it will be like that. If we are looking, uh, a year after that. We'll see how people through friendship build something really important. And Anastasia, like Spacewatch Global, is uh, we deal with
0: geopolitics, uh, so I have to ask this yeah. question. But you are uh, a Russian woman, of course, it has been involved in space. Russia has a huge historical background in space. We all know that. Now the situation with the U.S. is becoming more tense. There is a new uh, alliance developing between Russia and China. You, as a Russian space expert... How do you perceive all all this?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, due to the things that happened in the last three years, it was heartbreaking to see that most of the scientific cooperation were stopped because we were working together with ESA on an ExoMars mission and on others, and now we are not doing this. And it's um, it's really sad because we cannot we cannot do we cannot really explore space alone. It requires the best of the best. Yes, yeah. from the whole world. Another thing that it's it's really interesting because we are talking about U.S. and Russia cooperation. For me, it was really surprising a year ago that a, a cosmonaut, Anna Kikina, was flying on a crew dragon from American soil. <laughs> and I thought, wow, this uh, flight wouldn't happen because of the recent events and political tension. now. But It seems like uh, the space field stays the same, no matter what happens between U.S. and Russia. But when we look at the Russian ESA, then, no, it changes. It's interesting why it's happening, because uh, Russia and U.S. are more like, On the opposite side. Yeah, but they always kept space, incorporated in space. Mm -hmm. A safe space. Yes, very interesting the
0: dynamic. And I'm looking forward actually to, to explore with this further, maybe not today in this podcast, but of course we're always interested in understanding the geopolitical situation between Russia and. And the U.S. And you are a Russian living in the U.S. So this life, oh, yeah. This like me a super
1: perfect candidate. <laughs> I'm like, for Russia, I so was like, oh, you're in the U.S. Uh, and for Americans, so oh, you're Russian. Russian in the U.S. So
0: it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's complicated. So how about your um, last question, your long-term view, your, term, your long-term projects, where I'm going to find you in uh, 10 years' time?
1: Oh, I'm helping at the moon base, <laughs> working on moon regolith and building 3D printed habitats. I'm looking forward actually
0: to it because we, we work also on space and moon resources. So actually it would be fantastic to have your insights also about this. If like, how much water are we going to find? Uh, like all this
1: data. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's, um, uh, during my, my work and studies uh, here in US, I, we, you realize that without humans, it's still really hard to to work on the moon to mine and to extract resources. Anyway, you would need to have astronauts that are helping the robotic systems. We're still not at this advanced level of robotics to just rely on them automatically. So I think it will be like a joint cooperation, robots and <laughs> humans.
0: Fantastic! That's I'm really looking forward for this to happen, and I think we can close it here and we can go and enjoy the sunshine of yeah. the Maldives
1: Grazie <laughs> <a me>, mille <laughs> Thank you very much
0: <laughs> If you want to keep the pulse of the space industry please visit our website at www.spacewatch.global Subscribe to our newsletters and of course don't forget to become a space watcher I'm Emma Gatti Editor in Chief of Space Watch Global Your Independent Perspective on Space